Meat is understanding that we can't change anyone or anything but for or by the power of God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Meat is knowing that God is real no matter what people say. Meat is knowing that there is a place for the faithful that, that you and I associate through Scripture as being heaven. And by virtue of understanding that there is a heaven, meat is understanding and appreciating as well that the flip side is true, that there is a place for those who have rejected God and His Word. Meat is knowing that only God can redeem this lost and dying world. Meat is loving your enemies and thinking no ill will towards them. Meat is praying for those who are opposed to you and I as if we were praying for the person in the very mirror. I hope you could take some time and say amen to that when you get home. <laughs> Meat cannot be forced down one's throat for fear of harm or even worse, death. Nor can meat be, or sorry, eaten by individuals whose bodies are not equipped to handle its contents or even to receive the benefit, the benefit of it. You won't take a nice steak, a juicy steak, a medium well done steak. You won't take a steak and shove it into the mouth of a three-month-old baby. Dare I even say, if we're being honest, if, if, you, if you reach that stage in life, even as an adult, and, uh, and you've lost some utensils in your mouth, <laughs> there are just some substances that the body can't handle. And so meat cannot be forced. But meat is received as a person grows from one stage to the next and they learn to handle the different textures of what they are consuming. Jesus throughout John's gospel has been preparing and preaching to and teaching to his disciples. Being the master teacher that he is and was, he, he would offer milk when it was necessary. But when it would come time to move on, he would give them some weightier, meatier, beefier stuff to chew on. That is me just putting in a nice way to... ...went on to teach some tough stuff. The book of John is littered with dialogues that Jesus would have had that the people of the day, whether they came from a Jewish background or otherwise, Jesus had some dialogues and he shared some truth that the Jews nor even the disciples at times were able to fully appreciate and understand. But Jesus took the time throughout his ministry, approximating about three and a half years, Jesus would have taken the time not only to share the milk of the word, but to share the meat of it as well. And so when we think about what John does in his gospel, John records some of these moments in Jesus' ministry where he challenged their processes. John records where Jesus challenges their teachings. 
John records where Jesus challenges their belief system. John challenges, John shows where Jesus in his ministry and life challenges their ideas and their ideals of politics and ideas of power. Just as that John does a masterful job in making a case for Jesus' deity while he was on earth, John's gospel further mention to Jesus and his status. Follow me on this. In our text, as far as John chapter 13 is concerned, and I need for you to stay with me, but for a, a few moments, and in John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17, where our text is found, this presents itself. John records this as a pivotal moment in the overall context of the totality of his gospel account and in the lives of the disciples. John is carefully constructed in such a way where his book is surrounded, the nucleus or the core of his book, it, it finds itself uh, in a place where he talks about or he identifies who Jesus was in his deity or his divine nature. So within the confines of this book that is broken up into 21 chapters, remember that this book that is divided into 21 chapters, John identifies seven I am statements about Jesus. In chapter 6, he identifies Jesus in his dialogue as being the bread of life. In chapter 8, Jesus would identify himself as the light of of the world. In chapter 10, Jesus notifies his, the people that are there in the crowd that he was the door of the sheep. Further in chapter number 10, he would say, I am the good shepherd. Then we get to chapter number 11, and he is having this dialogue with some friends, and uh, one of whom, their brother, of course, would have passed away. That's Lazarus, and Jesus would conclude, he would, he would notify those who were there that I am the resurrection and the life. But then within the confines of, of John identifying these deity traits of Jesus, these divine traits and this divine nature of Jesus, we get to chapter number 13. And in chapter number 13, John records Jesus, even in his dialogue and his interaction with his disciples, he records Jesus in a unique identity, different from what it is he would have been presenting all along. Jesus, though he is the bread of life, Jesus, though he is the light of the world, Jesus, though he has identified as being the door, Jesus, though he is the good shepherd, Jesus, though he is the resur resurrection and the life, now in chapter number 13, Jesus identifies himself as a fush, a foot washer. This, as we get into chapter number 13, would, would mess with the minds of the disciples. This would ultimately mess with the minds even prior to Jesus doing this to his disciples. It would have messed with the minds of the average Jew because the average Jew, when they thought about this Messiah that was to come, in their minds, they were thinking that this person would come and usher in a new age of us being a nation of Israelites. They thought in their, in, in their thinking and in their mentality, they thought that this, this Messiah, this King, this Savior, he would come riding in on, on the biggest or baddest horse that you could find. He would be born in, 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 in a castle, not in a 
trumpets blowing to herald his day of his birth. But we understand that that was different when Jesus came in to the world. And so as Jesus gets to, to this point of, of showing his disciples who he really was, he understands that he is master. He understands that he is king. He understands that he, he is the great I am. He understands all of that, but he wants them to understand that you see me in my status as savior, but you also need to see me, see me in my status as servant. So John highlights the reality of who Jesus was. But in chapter number 13, this becomes a pivotal point in John's approach to Jesus, but also it becomes a pivotal point in the lives and the ministry of the very disciples themselves. In chapter number 14 of the book of John, Jesus would say, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Prior to, to, to chapter number 13, everything that is identified from Jesus is from more or less a spiritual license, something that the disciples in or couldn't attain. But now from chapter number 13, Jesus is going to identify some ways even in his own identity that his followers, those who were created beings, human, be human beings could walk according to his pattern. They didn't have the power to, to resurrect anybody. They themselves were not the door. They themselves were, wasn't the bread of heaven. That's what Jesus was. But notice when he says, I am a foot washer. That simply means that you could be a foot washer too. Notice when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Really what he is saying, I have a path to follow. I have a truth to be believed, and I have a life that needs to be lived. So when you think theologically speaking, when you think about the way in which John writes his gospel, he is developing this idea and he's developing some identity traits about who Jesus is in his, in his, in his deity. But he also wants to showcase, showcase Jesus as a true and ultimate example of service. Finally, in chapter 15 and verse number 1, Jesus would conclude that I am the true vine. We need to be attached to Jesus. If we are to grow, we must grow deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper in our relationship with our Lord and Savior. Growth doesn't come by just sitting by and is to pass by. But growth has to be intentional, and the only way to grow is for us to be challenged on a consistent basis to get up out of our comfort zones. So undoubtedly speaking, as we get to chapter number 13, as we think about what has taken place, I want us to understand that this messed with the minds and the psyches of this, these disciples. Not only did I say before that Jesus had a status of, as their savior, but also he is now recognized as a servant. So Jesus wanted to show them that he had to do what he had to do in order to sanctify them and in return what they needed to do in order to be a saving grace to others. In other words, Jesus is teaching his disciples by example 
that no one and absolutely no one is too big to serve. Let me repeat that one more time. No one and absolutely no one is too big to serve. As we think about our text, could I get somebody to read for me? I want to do this really quickly. Could I, could I have a reader? Where's, our, where, where, where's the mic? Could I, could I get a reader? Uh, somebody get for me Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Joe David, you have that? I want us to hold Philippians 2, verse 1 through 8, but I also want us to keep our Bibles open to John chapter 17. John chapter 13, sorry, and verse number 1 and following. And I want us to see this, and, and just so you know, I'm on my last page here. I, I, I want us to see this as we compare and we parallel what's taking place and what's being noted in Philippians 2, verses 1 through 8, and John chapter 13, verses 1 and following. All right? You got it? Philippians 2. Therefore... If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, mm -hmm. if any comfort from His love, mm -hmm. if, if any common sharing in the Spirit, Go ahead. if any tenderness and compassion, mm -hmm. then make my joy complete by being like-minded, mm -hmm. having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Mm -hmm. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Yes, sir. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Value others above Not yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests. All right, get on, go on. In your relationships with one another, have the same mind that mm -hmm. Christ Jesus, who by being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. All right, hold up, hold up, hold up. Go back, go back. Start over to verse, at verse number five. Don't, 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 don't read it like the dramatized version that we find on YouTube. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Uh, all right. Don't, don't, don't. Think about you're the one that's, that's penning these words. Now, I would preach, read, preach, read. That's what I want to do. Preach, read. Come on, Joe David. Stand up, stand up, stand up. Preach, read. <laughs> Come on. I don't have to stand. Come on, up. come on, stand up. Get get the blood flow. Get the blood flowing. Get the blood flowing. Come on, come on. Preach read. Come on, preach read. Who being in very nature of God? Who being in the very nature of God? Did not consider equality with God. He didn't consider equality with God. Something to be used to his own advantage. Something to be used to his own advantage. Go on. Rather, he made himself nothing but by saying. Depending on the translation that you have, hold on, don't, don't go anywhere yet. Rather, the scripture says, depending on the translation that you, you would have, it would say that he emptied himself. He was his deity. He was good where he was in heaven. But he would step out of heaven. He would give up that relationship. But for a time, mind you, he, he would take off his divinity. He would take off his eternity, he would take off his immortality and he would step into the realm that is human. I, want you, I need for you to see. Almost a Took the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. 
Being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself so, by being obedient to death, so even death on a found, cross. Or being formed, some translations might have, in the form of a human being. He had to humble himself, and he became, in, in him, humbling or humiliating himself. We, we don't think of, of humility as being humiliation, but that's really what it translates to. He humiliated himself and took up the form of a servant. I need for you to appreciate this text, because if you understand this text, he is saying that human beings need to recognize that we are servants. Because notice he steps out of deity, out of the form that he had as being God, and he humbles himself to take up the form of a human being, even coming to the point of a servant. So when Jesus automatically, automatically steps out of heaven and he decides to come to earth, he knows as long as he comes in the, in the position of a human being, that automatically means he is stepping into the realm of servanthood. That's hard for us because we don't think as every human being being a servant because some people have statues, but I need for us to appreciate in the relationship between divine and humans, we all are servants, servants one to another, servants of God. So when Jesus empties his deity and he takes up his humanity, in as much as he takes up his humanity, what he's actually taken up is servanthood. You'll probably get it when you go home. Continue that reading, Joe David. Finish, finish, finish. I, I need to be done. Come on. Being found in appearance as a man, mm -hmm. he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. To death? Even death on a cross. Even the death of the cross. I, I need to do this really quickly. The meat, church, the meat, the real meat of this text is not simply looking at this text from a symbolic point of view. That's the, that's the lowest point of understanding in this text. To look at this text and to simply say, well, Jesus was show, showcasing some humility, and so really, as Christians, we need to showcase some humility as well. That's, that's, that's just part of this text. But in reality, what Jesus was actually doing is he was showing them from this physical standpoint what he did in order to sanctify them and what they are called to do in, in helping to save others. So in reality, let me do this really quick. In reality, Jesus had to give up his equality with God. In, in reality, Jesus had to give up his Godhood. In reality, Jesus had to give up eternity. In reality, Jesus, even for a time, had to give up heaven. In reality, Jesus had to empty himself and become what we needed. In reality, Jesus had to give up some things. What do you think we have to lay aside in order to fulfill? For some of us, that might mean laying aside tradition. For some of us, that might mean laying aside our accomplishments. For some of us, that might mean laying aside our politics. And, and you know we all have to lay aside pride and position and power and status. There are just some things that we have to give up if we have to serve the way that we are supposed to. Now, let me show you this really quick and, and, and we'll be done. Notice the scripture says, let me get this really quick. Notice the scripture says in John chapter number 13, 
in John chapter number 13. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in this world, he loved them to the very end. Uh, I would have you to know at this point that at this table is Judas Iscariot. I would have you to know at this point that Jesus ate at the table with Judas Iscariot, knowing that Judas had in heart and mind to betray. I don't want that to blow over your heads because sometimes what happens, and you must understand this, we, are, we find discomfort in being at the table when, when we know the person who is on the other, other side of the table sitting next to us has something against us. I don't want to sit at this table. I don't want to deal with this person. I don't want to be in the same vicinity as this person. Understand what's happening here. Jesus is at the table. He has no ill will. The scripture says he loved every single one of them to the very end. Church, we got to learn how to let go and we got to learn how to take on. We got to learn how to let go malice and how to take on love. We got to learn how to let go worldliness and, and take on spirituality. We got to learn how to let go these human things and, and adopt the mind that Christ and God and the Holy Spirit would have us to have. Could you stay with me for two minutes? Could you stay with me for two minutes? So notice in verse number two it says, and that supper be and supper being ended, the devil having already put in the heart of Judas Iscariot Simon's son to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had, had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garment. And I need for us to see this. This this I'm gonna do this and I'll be done. He 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 took off. His garment, he laid it aside. The scripture said he would take up a towel and he would gird himself. It's indicative of what he did when he left heaven because he had to take off some things and put on some things in order to come and be in service to mankind. So the scripture would say that he would take off his clothes. The clothes that they would identify him as Lord, he took that off. The clothes that they associated him as being master, he took that off. He, he wanted them to understand that, that the same way that you view me as Lord, the same way you view me as Savior, you also need to view me as servant. Because you see, what began to happen within the minds of these disciples, they started thinking, well, who was going to have certain positions in your kingdom, Lord, when you leave? Human beings are plagued by jostling for positions in life. In a simple reality, we are always thinking in a group setting, well, who is going to be the boss? Who is the one in charge? Who is the person that's running things? You want to know why, why probably 60% of marriages have uh, and, and butt heads? It's because we're always trying to figure out who is the boss in the marriage. But anyway, Jesus takes up the towel. He girds himself. And the scripture says he began to wash the disciples' feet. I know they had a problem with it because by the time he gets... To Peter, Peter says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Like, what in the world are you doing? 
And Jesus had to explain some things unto Peter, maybe that he didn't get then, but he would have gotten eventually that, listen, you need to understand something, Peter, that if I don't do this, you don't have partner lot with me. If I don't sanctify you, if I, if I don't wash you, you don't have the connection to me that you would want to have. But here's what I want us to see. Here's what I want us to see. Let me take this off. Joe David, get ready. Not to read, but to be done. Elders, elders get ready. Jesus, he has taken off the clothing that he had on. And he girds himself in a towel, probably the same towel that whoever the servant girl or boy in the house would have to put on to wash and dry the feet, he would have probably grabbed that same towel. And he takes up the towel that the servants or the very disciples themselves would take up to wash the master's feet. He takes up that towel and he gets down. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the scene would have looked like, but the point is he gets down enough to where he would tell them, put your feet up. Some of us, maybe could, have, could testify to this, or some of us don't have the best feet. <laughs> if you didn't get that, some of us don't have the best lives. If, if, if you don't get that, some of us have some messy lives. Some of us have some damaged lives. If, if you don't get that, all of us don't have beautiful feet. And even if you did, even if you had the best life, even if you didn't have a broken life like some of us out here, your lives, our lives surely do get dirty from time to time. So Jesus gets down at their feet. A place reserved for slaves. Jesus gets down at their feet, Daniel. A place reserved for, reserved for disciples. Church, you seeing me? Jesus gets down at their feet. He's their master and their Lord, but he takes up a position and a posture. Physically, not just symbolically, but physically, he takes up a position and posture of true service. It's this position that John, early on in his writing, would identify when John the Baptist was preaching about the one that was to come. Remember John the Baptist said, whose shoelaces I'm not even worthy enough to untie. I'm not even talking about washing the feet. I don't, I'm not even worthy, John the Baptist says, to even untie his shoelaces. So John says, I'm not even a worthy enough to do that, but God in his grace and mercy gave me this ministry. So Jesus gets down with his towel and he bows himself and he takes foot after foot, eventually feet after feet, and he washes it. But here's the lesson for us, and I'll be done. Here's the lesson for us. If you take nothing away from this lesson, if you were lost in all of the background and the backdrop and everything I said, I want you to go away with this. In our service to God, we have to be willing to strip ourselves of everything that is not conducive for the service and the work that God has called us to do. 
So if for some reason my pants was giving me trouble, I, I would know that I need to change this pants if I have to get down on my knees. If my shirt was giving me problems, I would fold my shirt up. I'm trying to help us to see that at the very base of this text, God is trying to teach us, John is trying to teach us that we need to be able to take everything off that is not conducive. We are foot washers. I might be a preacher, but there's nothing wrong with me being a preacher and cleaning a toilet. I might be someone who mounts the pulpit have a certain level of respons responsibility from a spiritual standpoint, but that doesn't negate the fact that I could go and dig a ditch. Some sister, some elderly sister might need help. No, 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 no. It doesn't matter what your status is. We are foot washers at heart. What is it that we have on that is hindering us from doing the work that God has called us to. So let's stand to your chamber.